Tina, what did he do? He did the monster mash. I'm not even going to indulge you. Come on. One. <laughs> he did the mash. No, it's not happening, mate. Oh, come on. Look, I don't. You're you're the Halloween man. Come on, come on. Can you From believe the monster well, was... mash to getting <laughs> smashed by Leicester City? It's episode 268. That's 268. The ENS Labs Spooktacular Halloween Halloween Special. I'm your host Nathan Judah. Delighted to be joined by Mr. Liam Keen as ever. Liam, it's that time of the year. It's my favourite, as everybody knows, who's been listening to this podcast for the last six and a half bloody years. Bloody because, you know, blood Halloween. Halloween is the greatest, the greatest festival of all time. It's better than, better, better than Christmas. It's better than Easter. It's better than New Year. Halloween is the one and only undisputed King of Kings best holiday for me. Even though it's not a holiday, because everybody has to work on Monday. Agree or disagree? Completely, completely disagree. Um, oh, I've never really been... Ha- the problem is, my m- mother's birthday is 31st. Wow. So, we've always focused on her birthday rather than... Ha- we've never really been Halloween people, so... Really? Yeah, and then I've obviously living with Rosie now. This is actually our second Halloween since we've been in the house, but the first mm. one we didn't really do anything... This year, I've been pumpkin picking with her. There you go. So, so you get into the spirit I like this. Yesterday, I carved my first ever pumpkin. Oh, so you can't give me the whole, I'm not into it. Then all of a sudden, you're pumpkin patching. No, because she's been... She's been no, I'm, if you let me finish, young man, she's been forcing me into these activities that... I mean, I didn't mind. It was all right, but it's not really my thing. And the smell of a pumpkin is oh, it's horrible, mate. Oh, it's not really my kind of... I'm, I'm sat at a table right now, and there's two... Mini pumpkins on the table, literally right in front of me. I that love Rosie's that. decorated the house with. Love that, mate. Love that. Get into the spirit. Just you know, a little bit of happiness, a little bit of joy in these in these sad times. I think it's the way forward. No, um, so no, no dressing up for you. No costumes. No Halloween parties to attend to. God no. Well, I wasn't invited to yours, so uh, <laughs> so otherwise no. Not ours. No, I'm not. I'm not. We're not going to one at ours. We're. Um, <laughs> we we no, do, I, I do do have um. Yes, I'll be in London on as of tomorrow. We've got um, an old uh, a Halloween party on Friday night with uh, one of our um, little mixer friends who's hosting, which is going to be look, looking forward to that. Um, so um, she's got like a one of them's got like a party, which is what time do you turn up for this party, Kino? It's nine o'clock at night is the start time. It's nine till three. Can't you can't go at nine, do you? The last thing you want to be is the first person there. We're no. going to budget about ten o'clock, um, which is a late start, but that's that's how the cool hipsters do it these days. Apparently, I would go a little bit earlier than ten personally, but I wouldn't go anywhere near nine. I mean, it's a free bar as well for the first few hours, so you'd be right, there. I'll be there at four, you'd be there at six pm. <laughs> I'm in without a doubt. I've got to be in there. So it's a dead Disney party on the Friday. So I'm, I may or may not. Um, tweet out my costume of choice uh, on the Friday night. So Dead Disney on the Friday till ridiculous o'clock. Then we will be us <laughs> see you at Brentford uh, Wolves on Saturday for the, for the horror to continue. And then we've been double booked and we've got two parties on the Saturday night. So get this, I'm, I'm then leaving Brentford, getting an Uber down 
to Dorking, which is very South London, um, for a friend of mine who's we kind of kind of said we've got to go to his party because he asked us a long time ago. So I'm going down there. I'm showing my face for two to three hours about till about ten o'clock, nine thirty, so maybe seven to nine, maybe a couple of hours. We then got a car picking us up, and then we're going to another little mixer party for a different person in Stratford, starting at 10, 11, up until 4. So three parties in two nights. Three different outfits. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm actually tired just thinking about that schedule. I mean, I uh, the scheduling, asking. mate, the logistics of it all, it, I tell you what, it takes some work. All I'm saying to you is James Collins better score the first goal for me at 40 to 1, otherwise I'm going to be out of pocket this weekend. <laughs> well, the first of his uh, six goals that I predicted. First of six goals that you predicted. Christ, <laughs> he's going to be double the highest scorer of this season so far. Six Come on, goals. James, I mean, I'll just call him James. I mean, Nathan. God, I'm, uh, I'm doing exactly what you did. Don't try and pull it back. Don't try and pull it back. It's uh, it's not good. It's not good, mate. Um, right, let's 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 go straight on to um, this situation. Look, Liam, we both predicted as many, 8,500 of you listened last week, uh, will we'll tell us, we both predicted Leicester wins, but my good God, I don't think anyone, well, maybe some people, maybe some hindsight people will have, will have said, oh, I saw this coming. I didn't see the severity of this defeat coming. It was grim. It was, I'm not going to say it was, well, kind of, it was a watershed moment in so many reasons. I think from, you know, the way that, the, the manner of the defeat, the display, the crowd turning um, and, and voicing their frustrations. It was it was an uncomfortable game to be involved in, to watch, to listen to, and and really feel for the fans to be able to to, to having to, to to watch that type of football and that type of dismal defeat against one of the only two teams before the game that started. Uh, behind Wolves in the table, what, just sum up really the day and the emotion and and what your thoughts were on it. Well, we said on this podcast, didn't we, that Leicester have goals and Wolves don't. How right we were. Um, some people would argue that's what it came down to because they had five shots, scored four goals. Wolves had 21, 15 on target. Um, but I think stats only take you so far. And I think the eye test, you watch that game... Um, Wolves were pretty dreadful. It was the, the manner of the defeat was in some ways worse than the scoreline, and a lot of the shots were hopeful punts from distance. Um, I didn't think they created a lot of clear-cut chances, bar maybe the Nunes one in the first half. There might be one other, two others that I'm, you could throw into that category, but um, nothing. Twenty-one shots to five, Liam. Sixty-one percent possession to thirty-nine. Five shots on target to four. Seven shots off target to one. But the stats. The stats do lie sometimes, don't they? Don't they don't tell the full story, not at no. all. How many times have we, we, me and you sat there watching it and saying they are carving Wolves open at every mm-hmm. opportunity? Um, in that first half, in particular, Wolves were probably lucky that it wasn't more. Um, Tuna was probably kind uh, in some ways because um, you've got players, um, some of them who have not been great for weeks, continuing that trend. Some who have been pretty good for the most part and uh, had awful performances. I think people know who I'm talking about. Johnny, awful again. Kilman, I think, has been excellent for the most part for Wolves and had his worst game in a Wolves shirt, without a doubt. Uh, I could go through 
probably you know one to eleven um, and, and pick out faults with everyone really. Um, but Wolves were getting absolutely carved open, um, and it and it really got to a new low, and it was it, it got embarrassing. Um, and no surprise that the fans uh, voiced their their anger and, and turned. Um, I think we were all expecting it probably to to come at some point, um, particularly you know with all the talk in the days leading up to the game. And, um, and and no surprise at all that, that it came. Um, and, and I totally support Wolves fans' right to um, voice their anger. Uh, and they should be angry. Wolves are, are in a, a pretty perilous position right now. And, you know, mistakes have been made. They need to be doing a hell of a lot better on and off the field. Um, equally, and, and, you know, these I think these two points can coexist. Um, Scott Sellers deserves... Some criticism, um, without a doubt. Uh, he also is not the man who makes the final decisions. For him to be the only one targeted, I still think is unfair, and I'll stick by that. Um, but he's not immune to criticism. Uh, no one is. And, uh, and and Wolves fans are totally in their right to, to make their voices heard. And um, Molyneux was not a fun place to be in. And no surprise to see the vast majority walk out with, with plenty of time left. Um, if, if I'd been stood in the sands, I probably would have left myself, to be honest. It was... It was not fun. It was pretty. It was pretty dire, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, look, they they they, they turned on Scott Southern, turned on him big time. Really, it, it's a strange one, isn't it? I, I think, I think there's a lot of fans who maybe are collectively putting journalists together, saying you're not answering the right questions, you're defending A, B, C, and D. And look, some people will will defend um, certain you know members of the hierarchy more than others. And I think maybe it's just suited to some to the narrative at this time that we're all getting. All getting bunched in together. I mean, look, I completely agree. I think that Scott Sellers deserves some of this blame. Absolutely, he does. Absolutely, he does. So does Jeff Shee, by the way, and and a lot of other people. You know, at the, at the top, who are making some, who have made some really poor decisions. And sometimes, I think it's important and probably will will help. Maybe just eventually, if things get better, some people to put their hands up and go, "We have made some mistakes." I think sometimes that is. As you know, saying sorry sometimes might might actually help the situation, but there are definitely some issues there. And um, look, it's it's not a nice atmosphere to be in. And unfortunately, whether it's Jeff, whether it's Scott, once those chants start, Liam, it's very difficult for them to stop unless you start getting results on the pitch. Because as soon as you concede, as soon as you you know, it's a bit like you're in the middle of a marathon, and once you stop. In that marathon, if you do stop, it's very difficult to then start and go, well, I'm not going to stop again. And I think that's the situation you've got almost at Wolves now. The 19th in the table, the joint bottom of the Premier League. We don't know when the next win's coming from. We don't know when the next draw's coming from. There's incredible frustration there. And once you've taken out on one or two individual characters, that will continue to come up, you would have thought, away now, home now, until Wolves can turn this around on the pitch. Or appoint a new manager which might deflect some of that frustration maybe put it into into um into supporting this team look i do think that wolves fans need to get behind the team and and we don't want that toxic atmosphere but at the same time wolves players need to show that on the pitch and give them something to shout about it's not just a one-way street here it go it goes both ways i think i get frustrated watching um how some of the players are acting. We've spoken about this quite a lot. <clears throat> the 
the fans deserve a hell of a lot better um, than, than, than what they've been getting. And you're, and you're totally right. The the two things that probably will turn it around is a result this Saturday or in the games to come, and uh, and or a, a a new manager. So. <laughs> you know, we might be waiting a little while potentially for both, so um, it, it's it's only going to get worse. Uh, and unfortunately, you, the, the players have to. The players are very much at fault for for large, large periods of of of, the, of this issue. Really, is that they there's a real lack of fight, desire. Um, as so many players that are not performing consistently. So many players that um, I think outwardly are not giving off the right message and. Even just posting about Wolves, talking about Wolves, making themselves known to fans, the affinity with the club and the affinity with the stadium, affinity with the the fans of the city. Um, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a distance there at the moment, and the players more than anyone connected to Wolves need the fans on board. Um, they need to bring them to the table, bring them in, and that is going to be really key of these next few weeks for me. Um, Neves is almost single handedly trying to trying to do it. Uh, he's not a loud leader. You don't need to be loud necessarily to for it to work, um, but you need someone who's going to maybe when it's difficult talk. And to be fair to Nathan Collins, he did that after the Leicester game. Um, I don't think he was particularly great against Leicester, but you know he came out and he owned it and he he showed some cojones, as they, as Troy Deeney would put it. Um, he he came out and he made it very clear that it was not good enough and it was embarrassing. Um, more players have to own that responsibility and take accountability for it, which I don't think we've seen in the last few weeks. Um, all the issues off and on the field, that f- for me is one that's really sticking out at the moment. Is just the players care more than they're letting on. And just in terms of optics, the way it looks, and also performances, um, that they're not showing it. Um it's a it's a big game against against Brentford on Saturday. They all are at the moment because of the position Wolves are in, and they need a bit, or they need a bit of inspiration. Um, someone just to pull them up by the bootstraps, give someone a slap around the face, maybe not physically. And Cost will do that. Yeah, physically. you're right. You're right. And 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 get them because they just look so devoid of all confidence um, against Leicester and particularly once they start to go 1-2-0 down we know how bad Wolves are at getting back into a game um, and they never at any point I thought looked like getting back into that and it was um, that is some of the most frustrating the most most, most frustrating things with, with Wolves at the moment I think the um, for me it's the breakdown in relationship between the fans and and you know the, the club hierarchy and how that's deteriorated so quickly, Liam. And maybe this has been going for two to three to four years now, just slowly ebbing away um, with certain decisions or windows or, or whatnot. But um, but you know this this club and I think you wrote about it in the week. Really, one of the points I think you said you know you kind of summed it up very well in 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 the situation and where it's all gone wrong at Wolves. But I think. Especially in the in the good times, and look when you're winning games, of course everybody's happy. And when you're losing games, people aren't. You know, not that naive to say that that you know people aren't going to be fans aren't going to be buzzing around if you if you're losing games. But but the the situation, the relationship between the ownership and the fans has definitely gone to probably an all time low at this moment in time. You've got to say in the last seven years of when Foson had been in charge, and it's got to you've got to turn that around some somehow, don't you? Because it's um, you know we're we're not even thirty we're just over thirty percent through the season 
That's a lot. That's a long time, especially when you've got six weeks with the World Cup. That's a long time to be angry. You know, you're going into next March, next May, next April. Fortunately for Wolves, they've got the time to turn it around just about. They have. You know, they're not cut adrift by any means. But they need to do something quickly, don't they? Because this is a toxicity in, in, in that stadium that, that needs to be eradicated pretty quickly. And it might need someone from the top to start being a bit real and, and, and speaking to the fans or, or getting something across to the fans um, to allay their fears because there is a lot of anger there at the moment. Yeah, and in terms of where you know, they're going to come from and where the club are going to come from, I think the fear will be that they'll be slammed by fans um, for whatever they do, whatever they say. Um, and I can get that point of view. But my argument from the comment piece, which you just alluded to there, was that... Um, since Laurie Dal- Dalrymple left, they haven't really replaced, not necessarily the position, which is a separate argument, but the presence that he brought amongst the fan base. You know, he would he would go and spend time in pubs uh, occasionally with, with fans. He would speak to them on their level. He was someone who was approachable, visible, accountable. The people person. Exactly, exactly. And I don't think they've had that since he's left. Um, I think Jeff, Scott, any of the the general managers that we can mention, I don't think they're as um, they're as open to the fan base. They, they, some of them are better at it than others. I think that's fair to say, but they don't. The top brass don't really make themselves visible and known to supporters. Um, the fans don't know a lot about them. Not not necessarily as people, but just in terms of how they feel about the club, how they feel about their job, how 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 everything works. It's it's all too silent. Um, I can totally understand where they're coming from in that. As I say, though, the concern is about is about being slammed. But my argument really in that comment piece was that um, when it's going well, no one cares. When Wolves are in Europe, they don't care about having the communication. Um, now that it is put, uh, in, in, you know, in a bad position and they haven't got that communication, it's just exacerbated the problems that are already there. Had they had a slightly different outlook from the beginning and been a little bit more open with fans, when they get to this point now, when they are at a low ebb, there would be a more of a... Of course, there'd be still be people panning them, but there would still be a, a more sense of togetherness. Um, and you need that when you're in a, a battle, in a fight, uh, as Wolves are in at the moment. Um, but it's too it's too divided at the moment. And without that sense of togetherness, it's us against them, is, is how the, the fans see it. And that is always going to translate onto the pitch. And at the moment, I think that plays a big part in, in how it is translating. Um, and... Wolves have got to try and drag themselves out of this problem but they haven't got everyone singing off the same hymn sheet and that is their biggest obstacle I think We obviously spoke on the podcast last week Lee about, about Scott Sellers and, and that you know he is taking over um, and, and being in communication with the bench on a, on a, on a match day basis um, taking I, I guess over from, from Bruno's brother who did that um, in an interim base until until they get someone it was clipped and, and look we, we completely said that we uh, stand by it and and I don't think we'll um, I, I'm quite happy that we put that out there it obviously went pretty viral at the time uh, the clip needed to be a little bit longer I think to put it into um, into into perspective but at the same time you know that that was happening now you know you asked Steve Davis about Scott after the game. Um, and what did he say about that situation and what did you make of it from what we've said and, and from what the club have said? Yeah, so... Um, and, and obviously the tweet that's come out 
you know, after the game. We, we need to discuss it all, really. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It, just very quickly on, you know, obviously I tweeted on the Saturday as well. I think my where that tweet was coming from and where my frustration was is that there was a five-minute conversation on the podcast that was clipped up into 40 seconds for the purpose of a, of a tweet. Um, and that frustrates me only because it's us being taken out of context. That was purely where my tweet came from. It was like, if you just listen to the full five minutes, you, you'll see and hear the full explanation. Um, it's, there's no defending of it. It's up to fans to, to decide what they think of it. Um, that's that's where it. Frust- it's, it's, it's up to them to make their own opinion. Exactly. Like, this is not us, yeah. you know, defending anyone or, or anything. It's up to them to make their opinion. Absolutely. We're just giving the facts of, of how we how we, how they are and what's going on, basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um so yeah, that that's the only sort of small frustration there is that I just think you need to take the full sort of discussion in, in into context. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, as we as we previously said, just to sum it up very quickly for anyone who might not have heard from last week, um, is that Scott? Yeah, he, he's he's been sat in the stands. Uh, he's been sat in the press box actually uh, for home games, for away games. We're not exactly sure because obviously we don't see where he is sat. He wasn't sat in the press box at least for any of the away games from what we saw. Um, but he's been in communication with the bench. Um, and has had certainly an input, has given his opinion um, into what Wolves, what, what what's changes Wolves might make. He's given some sort of tactical opinion. Uh, people have seen the, the the board that's next to him in that picture after the, the Leicester game as well. Um, so his input and from an you know an analysis point of view is is being given to 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 the bench. Uh, Matt Pearson, who's one of the analysts on the bench, is sort of in communication with. Um, with Scott and, and he's sort of relaying those messages um, speaking to Steve about it after the game he said look we, we make all the decisions on subs and etc etc uh, which didn't doesn't really line up with exactly what's happening but he didn't really address that Scott is having an opinion which I think is where the grey area is um, so the fact is that he is having an opinion and he's speaking to the bench and, and the reality is that Wolves have got two coaches uh, because Tony Roberts really is Separate being a goalkeeper and set piece coach, it's a, it's a, in terms of overall uh, coaches who look at this, the, the, the tactics and the subs and etc. They've got two. They would normally have four, five, six maybe if, if there was a, a normal manager in in, in charge. Um, so purely from a numbers point of view, that they need another pair of eyes. They need someone in the stands to watch. And Scott is doing that on the interim basis. Now fans can decide whether they like that or not, and and, and that's totally up to them. But. Um, that's the reality of what's what's happening at the moment. I think it'll be interesting to see, particularly with some of the uh, anger around this, whether he, he carries on doing it so visibly. I think there's an argument as to say that maybe he could have done it elsewhere that was less obvious, um, just not to draw more attention to it. But equally, we also want the facts to be out there. So um, it, it's a very difficult balance to make because I can, from, from a purely numbers point of view, I totally understand why he's doing it because they don't have anyone else physically to do it and they need someone in the stands to look at the game. Um, equally, Scott was already a little bit um, under fire from fans before this came out and this really just added fuel to the fire a little bit, didn't it? Um, and Had it been anyone else but him, fans maybe would be okay with it. And I think you've got to question whether it's what he's doing or whether it's him that's that's really the issue for fans. Okay, so let's move away from that slightly and um, and go to the managerial search in inverted commas. Look, we, we obviously talked last week about about Michael Beale or Batigi and you know, Rob Edwards and, and all these all these people that Wolves are speaking to, and then obviously putting up that 
that statement saying Wolves will not appoint a manager and, until 2023 and that Steve Davis will take interim charge until that moment happens. Um, now, after the game, and, and look, it was um, it was a horrible game to, to be to be involved in or to watch and to and to report on Liam. And for me, one of the main talking points coming out of that game is Wolves, to me, cannot be so naive. If you're taking Jeff Shee or you're taking that statement on face value, they cannot be that naive to think that they can't appoint a new manager until 2023. Because if this continues, Wolverhampton Wanderers will be cut adrift from the Premier League. And that's including the likes of Nottingham Forest, who are on the same points, by the way, as Wolves. Um, and so you've got to think that Wolves have got to whether they put that statement out there just to try and get people off their back and they're still actively looking from day to day about, about the, getting the right manager Jeff she said they haven't got the right manager ready to go or head coach however you want to name it and maybe you know due diligence is being done behind the scenes day to day to get that right person in charge but for me there's a lot of people who are turning Wolves down at this moment in time now I suggested Nuno to come in and keep this team up. And I'll, I'll give you a few reasons why. And look, there was obviously created a lot of debate. I, I would actually say that it was pretty positive overall. And um, it was going to get a bit of abuse. You could, I, I could put a full stop and tweet it. You're going to get abuse at this moment in time. Roll, roll, <laughs> rolling for it. Rolling for abuse at this time. Not, not just the hierarchy, anyone. Players, journalists, whatever, which is fine. It comes with the territory. We've got a thick skin. It is, it's all good. Um, Look, first and foremost, not a lot of people want to come to Wolverhampton Wanderers as it stands at this moment in time. I, I know that, that, that Nuno Espirito Santo is desperate to come back to Wolverhampton Wanderers and help them. I know he's had conversations about how we would get this team playing, how we would get this squad playing. Now, we're lucky that we are only 12 games into the season because if they were 20 games into the season, Liam, or 25 games into the season, as a lot of other teams are, when they sack the, manager and they sack the managers and they realise that they are in massive trouble, it's almost too late. The good thing about Wolves is they're not cut adrift at this moment in time, that they are 12 games into the season, but the fact that we can see the warning signs there already, that this team is going down as it stands. They are. So who comes in? I'm not talking about long-term, I'm talking about a short-term basis. Now, if you're Jeff Shee, or if I'm Jeff Shee, right, and I sacked Nuno, well, let's be honest, he got sacked, okay? He got sacked from this football club. It wasn't mutual, it, he got sacked. If my, if my only, 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 only task is to keep Wolverhampton Wanderers in the Premier League, I'm not looking at next season, I'm looking at this season only, and I've got a manager who knows the infrastructure who knows the setup, who knows the training ground, who knows the majority of the players, who can literally walk into Compton and know where everything is and be ready to coach without getting to, used to the city, the family, the travel, the players. He knows everything. For me, it's an absolute no-brainer. Bearing in mind, he wants to come back. Now, long-term, is that the best appointment? I'm not too sure. But if my sole, like I say, if my sole reason is to keep Wolverhampton Wanderers in this Premier League, then I think you get him on some sort of contract with a big bonus if they stay up. And then look, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it going into, going into next season. But remember, Nuno made all, literally all the football decisions on while he was at that club. 
There's n- absolutely they went through him. Everything footballing decision went through Nuno Espirito Santo. Nuno Espirito Santo leaves, and look what happens. So for me, losing Nuno not just as a manager and as a coach, but as a footballing brain and someone who they could go to, who kind of had the final say, when that's been taken away, Bruno didn't have the final say on things. You know, Jeff, it's gone it's gone further up there and they've got more control, they've got more power. And I feel like, look, it's showing what's happening on and off the pitch. For me, just from that short-term point of view, get him in, someone who wants to actually come to this football club and keep Wolverhampton Wanderers up. That's that's my pitch. Not saying it'll happen by any means, but for me, each week that it goes by, this Wolver- this football club, if there's no changes... Um, are going to get more and more and more and deeper and deeper and deeper in trouble, and it might be too late. And they're they're not they can't for me say twenty twenty three, and we'll we'll get someone in. You've got to get someone in. I for me, he's he's an absolute no brainer. I think the key to your point there is not necessarily long term, but on a short term basis, um, which sort of negates a couple of the issues I was going to bring up uh, to play devil's advocate. Um, because I do sort of agree, to be honest. Um, Mate, from I... a journalistic point of view, we don't. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare <laughs> for me and you, Liam. He's a nightmare for journalists. He really is. He doesn't give you much at all. But I'm, I don't really care. I'm, I, you know, I love this football club. This is the. It's the football club that comes first. And if I'm getting someone now, if I'm today, Liam, and I'm saying right, we need to get someone, then I'm, I'm literally gonna go and get him. If I can go and get him and fly him in. Let, let's go and get him. You know, I've got I've got to give um, props to Finn from Talking Wolves. They, they talked about it the other day on, on, on their podcast. You know, they're basically in a situation, let's be honest, and let, let's where they're waiting for Lopetegui's dad potentially to, to pass away before they're making a move at him, you know, to, to try and come back. You can't be in that situation. A Premier League football club can't be in that in that situation. You've got to be more proactive than that. And whether he, whether he comes or not, for me, the time is the time is to act is now. Sorry, carry on. I'll sh- shoot you off. But carry on. Sorry. <laughs> just, just to be very clear on, on Lopetegui, we, I, I, we spoke about it last week. Is that um, the feeling is that yes, they would speak to him again if the opportunity arose, but that they're not sitting and waiting for him. And that's that's the information I have. Um, but equally, I think they would obviously very like they would very they obviously wanted them, so they would like to they would like to speak to him again. Obviously, if, if that opportunity came round. Mm-hmm. Um, with Nuno, they similar to again what I said last week is that there are certain people, players, staff, um, not all but some, um, who wouldn't necessarily welcome him back. Um, there's also the issue over the final season, how poor it was, and the, the training standards as well as the playing standards had dipped. Um, I think the feeling amongst amongst those at Wolves is that um, he's not ready to come back um, mentally, particularly with how tough that. That, that that last year was, and, and I suppose the the nature of his departure as well. Um, so that was the the position uh, last time I I spoke to people about about Nuno. Um, it Definitely going to have to few bridges that are going to have to be reunited here. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they you don't think they're totally uh, burnt to 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 a cinder, but they are um, they're going to need rebuilding a little bit, aren't they? Um, it'd be interesting if if that attitude changed at all. But I suppose what we can say around the the managerial. Um, saga, if you will, and um, keeping Steve on, uh, Steve Davis, that is until 2023, 
Um, I think the idea behind that, again, just slightly repeat a little bit from last week, was to uh, provide a bit of clarity and to um, give him an opportunity just to work to at least the medium term, uh, if not long term, um, and, and plan a little bit ahead. Equally, the club was always going to move earlier if the right candidate comes up. If the right candidate comes up tomorrow or next week, um, they they will move for, for that candidate. Um, I think it's also fair to say that after the Leicester loss, not just the scoreline, but the manner of that loss, um, that may accelerate as well. Um, but equally, there have to, it has to be the right candidate. And of course, Jeff Shearer said very recently in his statement that there was no outstanding candidates. I think the wording of that, in hindsight, actually changed my mind slightly from last week's podcast. In hindsight, probably could have been slightly better. Um, perhaps to say there was no one who was the perfect fit would have been a better way to put it. Um, they sort of halted the active search for a manager. Um, but if they come across the right candidate, someone they think is, is whether that's someone they've looked at before or a, a new name, um, they will definitely move earlier if they can make it happen. So, okay, so so that's that's new then. So, so, so what you're saying is is that if the right candidate comes out tomorrow, it's not going to be 2023. It's it will it will happen fairly swiftly if if he is the right person. And it's, she, it's a big sorry, sorry, and it's a big sorry. if, yeah, because not, not Jeff, she, but <laughs> yeah. she. Uh, it's a big if because uh, they've just gone through you know three four weeks of yes. of, a, of a process and not been able to find anyone. So, but are um, they still going through that? Is, is that process still? As rigorous as what it was two to three weeks ago, do you feel it's just that statement's there just so people can calm down and maybe just deflect slightly saying, okay, well, let's get off our backs from a managerial search point of view. We, we are still looking as much as we were before, but we don't really want this day-by-day narrative of what's going on next and who's getting interviewed, which it was very public, wasn't it? So yeah, that that's part of it, but it, they, they did also halt the sort of active search uh, for manager before the Leicester game after, after that announcement had been made. Um the attitude, it hasn't been a, a total 180 and they've totally, they're now actively searching again. But if, they, if they're if they in contact with someone who they think can be the right fit, then they will move on it. So the attitude changed slightly, I think, after the Leicester game, definitely. Um, but the, but the, the case was that they, they were always going to move if they if they could get the right person. But I think from a, giving Steve a bit of time to... Uh, to work to the medium term at least a little bit of stability also the as you talk about the you know the public um talk and and view of of the the search uh, it did calm it down a little bit but they they're definitely going to move um if they if they can find someone um okay um look it's um it's not great though is it when you look at the table Liam? I mean what what do you think i mean i'm looking at the premier league table as it is um to play 12 nine points Five goals all season. I mean, five goals from 12 games. But I'm trying to look at the teams now. And I, I know it's early, but I'm trying to look at where Wolves... Can you see Wolves getting out of it? And the, and the, the question is, I think it's one of the questions, You know, do you think Wolves will go down this season? As it stands at this moment in time, I think they're playing themselves into the championship. I really do. Do I think they'll go down? I, 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 think, I think they'll stay up, Liam. I, I do think they'll stay up. But I think it's going to be close. And I'm already looking at teams. I'm looking at teams that are going to be in a relegation battle. And Leicester aren't one of them for me. They really aren't. I mean, they've gone two points above Wolves as it stands. And we, I said this a couple of episodes ago. that I think they'll be in mid-table. But from the teams that I think are going to be there or thereabouts this season, you're starting to look and it's starting to, there's not that many. I think it'll be Forest, the, bot, the current bottom three, 
think it'll be Forest. I think it'll be Wolves. I think it'll be Leeds. I think it'll be Southampton, who are three points above Wolves. And I think you're looking at Bournemouth, who are four points above Wolves. For me, it's three of those five. Um, I don't think Leicester in it. As much as as much as Villa have been struggling, they beat, they beat Bournemouth, um, Brentford four 0 on Saturday. They've got a new manager in charge. I don't think it'll be them. I don't think. I think Palace will finish above Wolves this season. Same with Everton. Brentford maybe could get back into it, but we'll see what happens on on you know on on Saturday. And then you've got West Ham, Brighton, Liverpool. They're going to be in a relegation battle. So really, already Liam, it's three of five for me. Maybe three of six. So. Can you see them getting out there and getting out and finishing outside those those three relegation positions as it stands or or, or long term end of the season? I think if you're going to go purely just off um, how they're playing at the moment, then I have to agree with you. They're playing themselves into into relegation. Um, over the season, I think they'll have enough to get out of it. I really do. Uh, so I'm, I'm, it's not great for a debate because I'm pretty much aligning with, with what you're saying but um, I do think they'll have enough it's Does difficult world... for me to say where that's going to come from because the, the goals aren't there at the moment do you think it's those teams as well are there any other teams you think could get dragged into it or give, give me your teams again and I'll give you my, my so I think, I think it's three from five for me at this moment in time I'm taking Brentford out of it I think it's three from Forest Wolves Leeds Southampton and Bournemouth Again, it's not great for a, for a podcast discussion, but I think I agree with them because I think you mentioned Palace. I think they'll they'll be good enough to to stay above. Fulham obviously had a pretty decent start so far. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see Fulham tail off, but I but I don't think they'll be dragged into relegation at this point. Um, Brentford have got a, Brentford have, when you've got a twenty goal a season striker. It makes a big difference, yeah. and they've got it in in, in Tony, and, and I just think that they'll be okay. If I'm honest, the the only other team I could mention, um, and it's not a guarantee to get to be dragged into this this five battle, if you will, mm. um, but I would like to mention Everton because I do I don't think they're out of it. Everton, mm. um, I don't think they've got enough quality uh, across the board actually, um, and if Cavalier gets injured again, I don't think they've got enough goals. So. Um, when Gordon's not at it, which recently, up until obviously he scored in the last game, but recently hasn't been, um, I, I think they struggle. So, um, I so don't... Maybe, of course, so maybe, they, they, maybe, six, you know, maybe six teams for you. Yeah, they've started better than Wolves. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sat, sat here, you know, from a from a high perch looking down on Everton, certainly not. But I, I do think that... Um, but I don't think they're out of it, put it that way. So so maybe I'd, I'd stretch it to six. But otherwise, the the... The overall sentiment from you, I have to agree with, to be honest. Um, I, I think Wolves sh- should and, and will have enough to, to get out of it, but they're very much in a battle as it stands. And it would take a remarkable turnaround for them to be, I think, <laughs> I could even say top half at this point. It would take a remarkable turnaround. I think they, they are going to be in this for the long term, the long haul of this battle. But I think they'll have enough just about to get out of it. In some ways, does the World Cup come as an absolute godsend to Wolverhampton Wanderers in the in the in the fact that re- recovery time for players potentially certain players hopefully playing themselves into fitness and a managerial search that doesn't look like it's it's finishing anytime soon are these 6 to 7 weeks absolutely a huge bonus for Wolverhampton Wanderers if wolves win their next 3 premier league games 
it's absolutely not a godsend. Um, that is a massive if. So, uh, so yeah, it is. Um, momentum is the key word here. If Wolves somehow, as I just said, go into the break with some momentum, they've got a few good results, it probably doesn't come at a good time. I know you're getting players back from injury perhaps, but if Wolves get themselves on any sort of run, the last thing they want with how the season's gone so far is for the season to stop. Um, if, as I think we're all predicting, they go into this break on the back of a pretty poor uh, final few games, and I hope I'm wrong, obviously, um, then it will be an absolute godsend, without a doubt, because they get an opportunity to take stock. The players can get the the distraction of a World Cup mm. out of their minds, to be honest, and they can hopefully get some players back to, to injury or closer to fitness, at least. So... Um, yeah, I think it'll be a, it'll be a good thing, and unless they shock us in the next few few weeks with with results, then I think it can only be a good thing to have a bit of a breakaway. So we talk about goal scorers, we talk about strikers, and you know, like I said, I think I think Tony and, and Carbert Loon will be integral if they stay fit to to the likes of Brentford and Everton survival. But Wolves haven't got a goal scorer at this moment in time. You've got. Diego Costa, who has started now last four games, Liam, would it be? Was that right? Was uh, it four games he started? Did he start against... He started against... Maybe five, was it? He started against Chelsea, didn't he? I think it was his first start. So Chelsea, Forest, uh, Palace, Palace... Leicester. Leicester. So he started four games. Um, and he's had a couple of big chances. Hasn't converted. I think one of them was offside, actually. So... But not really looking like... Well, he's looking like a 34-year-old Diego Costa, isn't he? Let's be honest, in a struggling side. Um, you've got Raul Jimenez, who, as you reported a couple of days ago, is on due back in Compton on Friday to continue his rehabilitation. Liam from Mexico. He's been he's been in Mexico for three weeks and is now back. Will he is. Remains, remains, oh, he is back now, is he? Is he back today? Uh, no, no, he'll be back on Friday. Sorry. Back, back, yeah, back, back on Friday. Friday. Yeah. So he it remains to be seen whether Wolves can get him fit before the World Cup or, or for the World Cup. And I think we'll probably hear a little bit more on that on Friday. You can elaborate in a minute, Liam, when I give you the floor. <laughs> and then you've got you've got Sasha Kalajic, who um, has done his ACL in, who is going to be out for the majority of the season, if not all of it, and maybe back for you know the last few games, potentially. Um, and some rumours coming out about him today and, and that he'd already got a partially torn ACL and um, what's what's the just give us the information what's going on and and where you see things? Yes, yeah, so just on Raoul, um, yeah, he's flying back into England on um, on Friday. Uh, we'll then be back at Compton to to continue his um, his rehab and sort of you know take the next stage in in that rehab. Um, it's Wolves haven't used the word chronic to describe it, but I think that's a fair word to use in that it's an issue that has been ongoing with his groin that he's had for years and that they've had to manage. Um, and talking about the discussion we had last week around medicals and how they manage injuries and Jose Sarr's wrist and they made the decision whether the player can play or not. Um, it's a very similar position um, or situation rather with, with Raul. Um, they've had to manage it for a number of years and it's got to a point where he can't play um, and, and now they're having to to go through sort of an extensive rehab with him. Um, they're trying to get him fit to, to play for Wolves first and foremost and then to make the World Cup. Um, I'm told his focus is very much on, on both of those things, um, but it's very much up in the air as to whether we get him anywhere near. Um... Would it leave a bad taste in their mouth, Liam, if Raul Jimenez didn't play for Wolves, 
all this time, and then all of a sudden was on the was on the plane for the World Cup. I think it would a little bit, yeah. And I think if that is the case, him or the club, someone has to probably um, explain it um, and, and and talk about it, address it, uh, because the perception amongst fans then will be uh, that he's not bothered about Wolves and that he only wanted to be fit to make the World Cup. Um, that's not the case. Like he wants to get back and play for Wolves. Um, but if there's nothing said publicly and then that does happen, it's, it's not a great look. So if and when that comes around, yeah, completely agree. They have to they have to address it. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's coming back in. Um, whether Steve Davis on, on the press conference on Friday will be able to say much about it is, well, probably won't, to be honest, because I think Raul is um, potentially, and he's not 100% sure on the exact time that he's, he's flying in, but I don't think he'll be at Compton on Friday. Um, I think he just flies. Go straight back to in. Brentford. Start. <laughs> just flies back into yeah. Flies straight into straight, straight to Heathrow, Heathrow mate. He's there. Um, no, I think he's just flying back into England on Friday. So he'll be back into Compton within you know the days to follow. But okay. um, but yeah, that, that's where it lands with him. And and um, you know, Wolves could it'd be a massive boost if they can get him back before the World Cup. But it's very very much up in the air. And and we're, we're hoping to uh, hoping to hear more. Um, Kalajic, you mentioned. Um, Rumours about him having um, an ACL injury and Wolves then chucking him straight into a game uh, despite that injury, it's it's not true. Um, look, Wolves would... Um, what The medical team, they, they would not sanction a transfer, first of all, uh, and then allow that person to play if they knew that they had an injury. Um, there's, Wolves did not force him to go in and play with an injury or did not... Um, and or were not told or did not notice any injury beforehand. Um, had there been one, they wouldn't. They may not have signed him first of all, but they definitely wouldn't have played. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's certainly not the case. Okay. Um, and Diego Costa, can you get Diego Costa scoring goals? How you know? How do you? How do you get him? I mean, look, even the short term. You know, between now and and the last <laughs> well, three games, can you can you get him scoring or, or score or just scoring one? You know, because um, you know that's that's end of the day. What's what they brought him in for is for goals. So look, he's gonna he's t- he's obviously taking time to get going, but at the same time, they could they could do with a they could do a you know, just like a big goal, a one a one nil away from home at Brentford would be huge. You know, that's kind of what he have been brought him in to do. So how can you get him scoring? Well, he's got to be fit first um, because there are. Obviously, at the open training session on on Wednesday, there are talks of him um, seemingly suffering a bit of a knock and limping a little bit, doing some stretches, coming back on and doing a few more shooting drills, and then and then eventually coming off. Um, we're waiting to hear really the, the the situation with him, and it would be, albeit, look, he's not exactly been a massive goal threat for Wolf so far. He has added a little something in terms of pressing, fighting, scrapping, uh, a focal point of presence, and it would be a massive blow for Wolves if he's now injured. Um, it would it would just be another th- thing to add to the list of of disasters this season, to be honest. Um, but uh, yes, as I said, we're waiting to hear. Um, I think, if, let's you know, talk as if he is fit, um, I think the key is the service into him. Um, how many times has he been frustrated? There was that one, he made a run against Palace, right in front of us actually in the press box, and Nunes delays, 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 plays the pass when he's offside, and he goes absolutely bonkers at him. There's there's two or three scenarios uh, where that's happened. The couple times he has got his, his body on the end of something, whether it's a header, a cross, whatever it might be, 
Um, he's come close. He should have scored probably against West Ham. He came close with a couple of the chances. He should have scored against Palace if he took it first time, but that chance he got into his left foot. Um, so there have been a couple inklings of, look, if you get the ball in the right position and right place for him, he will take up the right positions to, to create chances. Um, I don't think the service into him has been amazing. I equally don't think the pressing has been good enough around him. Wolves aren't a high-pressing team, and I don't expect them to suddenly turn into that and suddenly turn into a Leeds, for example, who have always been quite high energy. Um, but it's it's a little bit unbalanced with how he's trying to close down and trying to make something happen and the players around him take a step off. I think there needs to be some sort of cohesion there. Um, and equally, when they did press against Palace in midfield, for example, I thought Bubakar Traore did a decent job of getting amongst it and, and winning second balls and actually putting a, a foot in. So um, Wolves need to be a little bit more nastier probably in that in that sense. And in turn, I think that would help Costa. Um, if Wolves were a little bit nastier, get the ball into him quicker and get the right crosses in, there's potential there for something to happen. But again, we're, ho- we're hoping, praying and waiting to hear on, um, on whether he's fit. Okay, uh, good stuff, Liam. A uh, couple of things before we get onto some questions. Uh, first of all, how would you like to win a Jao Moutinho signed 2022-2023 wool shirt, Liam? I mean, you know, you know, I love my my signed shirts. I've got a little collection going, so I would always love an, an addition to the collection. How much would you pay for that framed? Framed. Framed. Jao Moutinho, 28 framed. You're signed talking. In silver, and silver. I know a little bit about the market. I'm, oh, I'm a little bit. Here we go. You're probably talking in and around, and or perhaps a minimum of about two hundred and fifty pounds. Two hundred and fifty pounds. How about two pounds seventy-five pence? <laughs> now you're talking my two language. Two pounds seventy-five. It's your language. Now you are talking. Uh, that's with a ten percent discount code. Uh, Wolves Poddy uh, at Football Prices. Our partners. Uh, lovely, lovely piece of memorabilia. Um, closes Wednesday, seven thirty. That's next Wednesday, twenty second November at seven thirty. Ninety nine tickets available. Get yourself in. Get one. Get two. Get five. Uh, already eleven tickets sold from that. Ninety nine available. Draw will be seven thirty next Wednesday night. And I know the nights are getting long. They're getting cold. They're getting spooky, Liam. Um, need a little bit of heat in your room but you don't want to be using all that electricity all that energy 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 <laughs> just just got just got my bill the other day not great not great bob let's just say let's just say it was over 500 um, anyway how about a warm light traditional convector little radiator little portable one how much are they do you reckon leaned this is a warmer room in in four to five minutes from kettle and toast uk four to five minutes you're toasty how much would you pay for it Plug it in, plug it out. You're talking upwards of 50, Mobile 60. as well, take it with you. Mobile as well, 50, mm. 60, something like that. Yeah, tell you what, halve it, what do you get? 25. Take a tenner off, what do you get? <laughs> I thought for a second you were going to say it was more. <laughs> um, take a tenner off, 15. Well, that's right, that's incredible yeah. there. <laughs> it gets through Yuki, you know. A warm light, traditional convector. Radiator portable, fifteen pounds. I mean, it's unbelievable. They're practically giving it away. Remember, those are our sponsors, KettleandToastman.co.uk. I'm not just saying because they're the sponsors. There's some amazing, 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 amazing stock on this website, KettleandToastman.co.uk. Just have a look if you've got five minutes on work. You're not doing anything else. Don't don't do it in your car because you're driving. But do it when you get back home. When you scroll on the laptop tonight, you scroll on your phone, KettleandToastman.co.uk. 
have a look and um, yeah, some amazing, amazing stuff. Right, okay, should we go on to the questions? They're Let's all really it. optimistic and, and pretty positive to Oh, be I bet they are, I'm sure. <laughs> Judy, you beep. <laughs> Linda's Lama says, with recent comments from Ruddy Sace and now Cody, what on earth is going on with the Culture Hour Football Club and will this impact on our ability to bring in a quality manager? Whether it impacts on the manager, I'm, I, I think that's very difficult to say, and, I, and I'm not sure it does, um, because I think a manager who's not in and around it every day will look at that squad and think, I can do something with this squad. Um, I think Wolves, as a club, as a as a, a marketable asset, I think are very, very attractive to any manager. I really do. Um, so no, I don't think that has a say, but it's a, it's a good question that um, it comes back really to the leadership and the squad and how I, in, in hindsight a little bit, because um, from a football, if we're going to talk about Cody specifically from a footballing point of view, uh, I found at the time it made sense. And in some ways now, it, it, maybe it still does a little bit, um, but purely from a leadership point of view, him and some of the other names that were mentioned, um, I think Wolves made all these changes too quickly. Bruno was allowed to gut the dressing room um, and... In hindsight, it was a mistake. I think he actually admitted himself not long after the window that maybe you know we we or maybe actually I think it might have been the first press conference after the window closed to say that you don't want to do all those changes all in one window, but the opportunity was there. Blah blah blah. Um, and I think in hindsight they would probably do it a little bit differently. So that has an impact. And Wolves are now struggling for for leaders. And I think right now they could do with someone to to drag them out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yugi says, how much contact do you have as journalists with the club? We, we get this quite a lot. Ask the questions. Ask the questions. Go and, go, go and ask the proper questions. Go and speak to Jeff Shee. Um, look, first of all, I would say, in defence of that, we do ask the questions. Absolutely, we ask the questions daily. We speak to the club daily. When the press conferences, you're the one who's asking the questions. You're not shirking away from it, Liam. Maybe some people do. But, you know, you, to be fair to you, I'll give you, I'll give you due credit, is that you, you do ask the uncomfortable questions. Now, whether you get a response that's going to appease the fans is another question entirely. Um, and look, at the same time, you can't, we can't walk into Compton and batter down the hatches and demand to speak to Jeff Sheen and Scott Sellers and have an exclusive about, you know, every single damning question that fans want to ask and get the question, get the answers that they want. That's not going to happen. It doesn't happen at football clubs. That's not, that's not how it works. But, but, um, but yeah, we, we do ask and we are asking and we are, you know, we, and we, we are, I think people sometimes prefer to say when, when, that we're not asking those questions when actually they are asking, you just got to look and read and, and maybe not just look at a tweet and read an article or read a piece once in a while. And you'll see that you, you will be getting those answers. You might not like the answers, but they're there. But um, anyway, that, that's me talking. But <laughs> well, I, th- I think you've you've pretty much summed it up. To be honest, I think the only thing I would add is that um, some of the conspiracy theories do give me a little bit of a chuckle. Um, I mean, I, I spoke about my tweet on the Saturday after the stuff about the the party on the Friday, um, and it it came from uh, the idea that um, uh, the clip out of context sort of was a little bit frustrating. Um, I, you know, Scott Sellers doesn't have me on speed dial. He doesn't ring me up and say, do this, do that. Um, I, I, I've only ever spoke to him a handful of times, one of them being a uh, an on-the-record interview that, that came out earlier this year. Um, Jeff Shee isn't paying... I've seen this one as well. Jeff Shee isn't paying journalists to defend Scott online. 
Um, I think I've made my position pretty clear that he, as well as others, are absolutely open to criticism. Um, but on this very specific point about him being the only one targeted for, for chance and the idea he makes all the decisions, I'm making it clear that's factually incorrect. So, um, yeah, I think uh, just to add, add to your point that those uh, those conspiracy theories are, um, are not accurate but quite amusing. Um, question for Nathan Tudor the indisputable talent behind the Wolves potty wow wow he, they, wow. he definitely does not say that on the tweet <laughs> it does there's no way it says that on the tweet oh, it does I'm telling the you the word talent has never <laughs> been associated with Nathan Tudor <laughs> unbelievable he might have had a few drinks to be fair um, from freezing wolf it is um, have you always had a Halloween obsession or is this an American influence also what is the biggest shit show at the moment Wolves are Borough oh god um, I, <laughs> that's I have, a good question that I have already seen I have always had a Halloween obsession even even before um, uh, my, my, my love for America but yeah I just love love horror movies um, love, yeah, love spooky weird. things pardon loving horror movies is weird mate. oh I love them mate I mean good ones really good ones absolutely I, I think no, they're absolutely yeah, fantastic um, you've got to say Borough mate I mean look we're, we've just appointed Michael Carrick you don't know what's going to happen there um, we're we're in the relegation zone in the championship going to League One, so um, I'm going to say I'm going to say Borough. Also, we haven't got the talent that Wolves have got, um, so yeah, Borough. Unfortunately, but uh, we shall see. Uh, Wolves, Wolves, Wolves are trying to rival them in that stake at the moment. Where Andy Matthews, what do you think is the points target for safety this season? Thirty-eight or more or less. Bournemouth, Brentford, Fulham doing okay is a problem for me. We could need forty. I think everyone talks about the magical 40 mark, which in the last couple of seasons, which to be fair, this this uh, question does allude to, um, in the last couple of seasons, it hasn't really been needed. Um, but I do agree with the person who's who's asked this. Um, I think Wolves are probably going to need near enough that figure, um, which is a... Uh, <laughs> which sort of brings me back to February when Wolves were genuine, genuinely thinking or at least the fans were of you know we could make top four here uh, of course we know what happened after that and Bruno started talking about well you know we've we've got past the 40 mark now and that's something to be proud of to start with and it gave us a chuckle at the time but maybe if we can get to 40 by February this year we'll, we'll be absolutely delighted I don't even know if that's mathematically possible at this point actually it's probably not um I would I would I'm going to go under actually, to be honest, Liam. I think that the way things and the way seasons worked out, I mean, look, there's some some teams have survived on 33, 34. I do think it'll be a little bit higher than normal, but I would say that I would say under. I would say probably 36 might get you safe. However, the caveat is, and the way that they're going and the way that they've started is, if you're level with someone at the end of the season, you look at the you look at the goal difference and the goals for. Um, it's it's not it's not good viewing at this moment in time. So already from a goal difference point of view, and shipping four doesn't help either. Um, you know, you've got to be very, very careful. But I would say slightly under the 38, but it remains to be seen. Let's hope they get the 40 and they don't have to worry about it. Right, exactly. Wolfpack, do you know when Neto is likely to be back on the pitch? Wolves Update just said he will miss the World Cup and are likely to have him for Wolves's... Are we likely to have him for Wolves's first game back on Boxing Day? Um, I think you'll probably ask this question, Liam, on Friday, maybe a bit of an update. I saw, ne- I saw, I saw Pedro um, in the corridor coming out of the game... Um, after Brentford and he was in a boot on crutches and, and obviously limping um, which kind of seems to me that he's had his operation and had it more fa- fairly recently-ish lateral ligaments will take at least well I would say for, for regular people two months and if you're going to be a professional athlete three months to heal to be ready to go 
I don't think this is all speculation. Look, you'll be able to get maybe give a bit more um, validity to my answer, Liam, or, or at least on Friday anyway. I'd be stunned if we see him before February um, at the earliest, um, which doesn't sounds more severe than it is because obviously the World Cup break, you know, a month and a half of that rehab is going to be while the World Cup's going on. Thank goodness again. But I think um, I, I think it's going to be if we if you realistically you've got to shoot for February and anything else is a bonus. I think your assumption is probably about right, but obviously we'll, I know you made it clear that we're sort of assuming that at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I have asked Steve Davis a couple of times, and and the response has always been, we don't want to put timelines on it because it puts pressure on etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So we're a little bit struggling for information with Neto at the moment um, to find out where he is and hopefully at some point soon we can we can get to a position where we can say more definitively where he is but we're yeah we're, we're a little bit uh, in the dark at the moment so still working on that one Stu says are you looking forward to VAR light in the championship next season I hate VAR mate <laughs> you do I hate absolutely VAR absolutely hate it I mean even just watching um the aftermath of what happened at Spurs last night in the Champions League, I, I don't care even if, I mean the the decisions up for debate anyway. But I don't care even if it is by a toenail the right decision. I think VAR is the plague of football. I would be rid it within, a, and and I don't get me wrong, I'd be rid it within a second, and I'd be the same person who'd be moaning about referees every week. And I'm I'm happy to admit that I'd absolutely do that. But I'd rather that and put it down to human error than to see technology and human error coexist in a world of absolute shit show. I think it's terrible. I think it does nothing to help the game. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think any of the decisions hardly are ever correct. And when they do, they take five minutes to make them. I think it sucks the atmosphere out of the ground. Uh, I would be rid of it tomorrow. I, I, I don't even think it's the rules that are the problem. I just think I think that's part of it. But I do think, particularly when it comes to handball, but I do think the VR itself is. There's no seamless transition with it. It's so clunky. It's so slow. I, I might change my mind if they get if they develop it to a point where it's a bit quicker, and maybe the rules are made a bit clearer around the game, which isn't really a VAR issue, but they sort of go hand in hand at the moment. Um, I might change my position on it, but as it stands, it absolutely stinks. The hand, does that, the hand does that answer the question? <laughs> yeah, no, it did. I think, I think you're I think you're for it, right? You're a big fan of it. Um, honestly it gets me really riled up I absolutely despise it I think it's absolute nonsense I, I, I get riled up um, like I said the handball rule is disgusting for me and I, I, agree I get with really well. really annoyed when you're a defender and you're tracking back and and Wolves do it and a lot of other people do it of course not just only Wolves but you've got the defenders or the midfielders who are, who are tracking back have got their hands clasped behind their back so not to have them out you know five inches either way because if a you know if a midfielder or a striker slams it you might be get done for handball but it just it just makes you look so small to bend it around you oh i just i hate and it it's such a bad it? optically it's such a bad look the, the rule around handballs as well as you'd say is, is ri- ridiculous the mm. problem is as well is that even though i say i'll be moaning about referees every week um the standard of refereeing in england is awful so, so, and this is across the board. I mean, we're talking League Two upwards, probably even way below. I mean, it's absolutely Bobby dreadful. Madley back on Saturday, by the way, after yeah, three and a half, four years out. Um, how he's been allowed back in, uh, by the way. <laughs> I mean, my word. Um, and, and that's not, and I'm not talking about from a refereeing point of view because I don't really remember what what he was like. I mean, actually, ironically, I did actually cover a game. It was either League Two or League One. I think it might have been League Two that he did when he came back to England. Um, 
But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, the standard referees, referees are also terrible, and that needs looking at. So, uh, you know, there there isn't really a right answer. So I've sort of I've sort of killed off my my you know rant about VR a little bit because the right answer is is somewhere in between. But I would rather just rely on human error and have a go at human error rather than have something that's meant to be the oracle of making the right decision and it being absolutely useless. Okay, Matthew Scrivens, if Wolves don't think there are any serious candidates for the job at this time, what makes them think there'll be any after the World Cup? It is just a throwaway phrase designed to buy them time or are they genuinely inept? Either way, who is likely to be in the hot seat? I'm still, my blood pressure's high after that bloody VAR <laughs> rant. Um, I think it's a little bit unfair, the wording or where that question's coming from, because you say what makes them think anything will be different. Things change so quickly in football. Someone might get sacked tomorrow and Wolves are, are interested. There might be a new development uh, with another manager, another club. Anything could happen. Um, and Wolves have to be ready to, to pounce on what they think will be the right the right appointment. Uh, I think where this is, some of the frustrations coming from with uh, with Wolves fans, and understandably so, is that Villa have gone out and appointed someone within three days or four days, whatever it was. Um, if we're going to talk very specifically about Unai Emery, he wasn't on Wolves' list. They weren't looking at him. Um, and I think if Wolves were doing well this season, the perception from Wolves fans about them appointing Emery would be a bit different. For me personally... I don't think it's necessarily a bad appointment, but it's also one that I don't think is hugely exciting for them. I think it could go one or two ways. Um, and that's really where a lot of the frustration is coming from. Um, Wolves can only deal with who they're actually interested in and, and who they want to appoint. Um, I, I can agree that it's been a bit slow and they've not gone about it the right way at, at certain zigs and zags, but mm-hmm. they've also got to appoint someone who thinks they think is the right fit and they haven't. They haven't found that yet with someone that is, you know, able to take the job on. Obviously, they've been rejected twice. So, um, so that's yeah. I think things can change very quickly. Leave it that way. And um, and and as I say, they they will move earlier if they have okay. to. Also, so many questions. We're gonna we'll we'll have to move on in a little bit. I've got a couple more. Uh, Liam, you might have one if you want to um, discuss it. We haven't discussed it already. Um, Samuel Leighton, why is the pre-game and half-time so rubbish? The build-up has gone so flat, and half-time bores me to tears. Yeah, I think um, pre-game they've tried to up it a little bit recently, haven't they? The the, the more more flames and uh, whatever those things are by the I don't know what how to describe them the pockets of air that <laughs> by the by the tunnel whatever, um, and, and obviously reading the team out they're trying to do it a bit more. Um, I do think I do think that yeah I think more could probably be done um, around that. And I think Wolves fans should have their say with with surveys and things that the club do to to hopefully improve that. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's definitely work to be done. Uh, okay, last uh, last one from me. Uh, again, it's similar to what we've discussed before, but I'd like to answer it. Um, Fiery Archer, are Midland sports journalists scared of being excommunicated by Wolves, meaning they avoid asking the hard-hitting questions of them, which fans are clearly asking? Do you want the short answer or the long answer? Uh, you can give me a 45-second answer. Um, no. <laughs> Times 40 seconds. Um no, look. We, we, we as you said previously, we ask these questions daily. Um, of course, we have a good relationship with the club, but we equally have a job to do, and um, and we don't have a hotline directly through to Jeff Shee to ask him A, B, and C, 
every week. Um, it has to be done the right way, and we try and get those answers. So um, I think the instant uh, impact of social media means that people want to think straight away, and sometimes you've just got to just got to hang far while, while we're working in the background. If you were having a scary movie date with Liam, what film would you choose? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Do we go classic horror? Do we go recent horror? Hmm. Or do I go comedy horror? You I don't like America? horror, so I'll let you choose. I'll give I'll give you something. I don't want to give I don't want to scare you too much. So I'll give you something that's like a comedic horror, um, psychological thriller, American Psycho with Christian Bale. How's that? Oh, that's I've, that's not that's not a horror. It's a great film. Yeah, yeah it's a great film. I was going to say it's a little bit of horror. It's a little bit. That's little not a horror film. That's not a horror film. You've got to choose a horror film. Okay. Um, Come off it. Okay, let's have a look. I mean, I'm a big sucker for your old school Halloweens. They're properly scary. Never seen them. Have you seen The Strangers? Oh, I know what it is, but no, I haven't. Oh, I see The Strangers. But just because you just wish you'd think about it going into the night and you'd be looking at your door and you'll be able to cuddle up with me. Bit of, That's uh, exactly... bit of, bit of Netflix and Chillwell. <laughs> That's exactly why I'm Netflix and Chillwell. That's exactly why I won't be watching it. <laughs> Um, what's 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 one of the the kind of early horror films that you that scared you or, or something that scared you as a as a film growing up? What was it? We've all got random ones that are stupid now, but I think you know at the time like oh my god, oh, this is this is brutal. It's right on the tip of my tongue as a film that I watched as a kid that would scare me, but I can't remember what it is now. The one for me, which is obviously ridiculous now, although I still enjoy the franchise, which is still going by the way. But when I watched it when I was I don't know twelve or whatever or 30, I can't remember now. Child's Play scared the living daylight out of me. <laughs> Chucky, oh my God. Honestly, like back in the 80s when it was there, I'm showing my age now, but like I might be like 89, so I was you nine old. years old, or I am, um, or you know, like early 90s when it was at Child's Play 2. Oh my God. Honestly, absolutely brutal, Chucky. Um, obviously now <laughs> can watch it. Although it's quite a good Netflix show with Chucky, actually. But um, yeah, that was um, that was pretty scary. Yeah, I can't really think of one that's for me. I, I've never really, I've never liked those films. It's never been for me. Mm. Yeah, it's not, it's not. Yeah, I, I do get scared easily. Um, any questions you want to discuss? Or are you okay? Uh, a couple actually. Um, there's been a bit of, uh, going around around about Neves at the moment. Um, with Barcelona links and talks of an agreement. Um, as far as I understand, it, there's no agreement, but you have to understand and take into account his comments from the back end of uh, or that, sorry, the last game of last season against Liverpool that he basically said he was going and it didn't happen uh, and he said that to me this season as well um, he is going to leave Wolves at some point I think fans I think fans are aware of that but he needs to probably come to terms with it um, he is likely to leave Wolves um, but look if there was an agreement Wolves would have announced it there's there's no agreement uh, as it stands are Barcelona interested I would imagine so but um, there's no agreement. Uh, I know there's been a lot of sort of conspiracy around Tony Roberts' video from I think September. Mm-hmm. Uh, him saying he'll do it for the next three months, and people are saying, "Oh, he's 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 admitted that he's going in January." It's Tony wouldn't even be aware of that. He wouldn't even be something on his radar. Had Wolves um, been aware of that, they'd have. They, there's no way they'd have published it. Uh, with with him saying it in the video, it's just a, a throwaway phrase of him tr- saying something nice to to his colleagues. So there's nothing in that at all. Um, so that's Neves. Very quickly, World Cup plans. Someone asked about. Um, they are planning a warm weather camp, uh, sort of early December, maybe mid December. Oh, hello, Gina. Um, hello, they, hello. <laughs> <laughs> they they haven't got anywhere booked yet, um, but they're working on getting that done 
uh, ASAP. Um, also, something I didn't realise as well is that the if they beat Leeds in the Carabao Wolves, the next mm. round is played before uh, the Boxing Day game. So oh, okay, to, interesting. W- I didn't w- know that. Wolves will actually play earlier than the 26th if they get, if they get through against Leeds. They'll, it'll be either on the 20th or 21st. Right, okay. Um, so that makes a big difference for them as well uh, in, how they, in how Wolves plan it because obviously they need to be back in time. So the, the idea is to have sort of a mini pre-season. Um, I saw a lot of Premier League clubs are, are having training be- or warm weather camps in Qatar or in Saudi Arabia so that when players get knocked out, they can just fly across and join up with the team. Yes. Yeah, That. Yeah. I think Yeah. that would that would make a lot of sense because obviously the players that are still at the World Cup obviously won't be at this warm weather mm. training camp. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So Wolves are, are planning to go there and have the players join them, I think, is, is the idea. So... Um, so yeah, like a mini preseason. Um, a little bit again. I know we touched on it last week. People talking about Fosun selling Wolves. There's been talk about Fosun selling off uh, assets uh, yeah. this week. Um, I think people need to understand how large Fosun's portfolio is, um, and that Wolves is, in some ways, a small part of that because of how big it is. But equally, is also uh, the head of their subsidiary Fosun Sports. So. There's no plans at the moment to sell Wolves. Um, and if that do, ever does change, I'll, I'll bring it to, to you guys first. Um, I think that was everything. Um, I think, uh, just very quickly actually, just to sum up, someone asked about what Scott Sellers' role is. Um, and I'll try and make this quick. Uh, I think it's, it, it, there's different clubs do it differently in terms of the difference between a technical director, sporting director. There's no massive difference really in that role as far as Wolves work. Um, but equally, Wolves don't have someone who oversees the football structure, style, head coach, recruitment, contracts. There's not someone that oversees that from the people that are working on it. Jeff does that, and he makes the big decisions. Um, and every club does it differently. So um, Scott's role, if you think of Wolves as split into an administrative... Administ- I can't say the word now. Administrative, there you go, uh, side of things and the football side of things. Obviously, Scott's on the football side. Split that into two again. Um, and uh, Matt Wild looks after you know ground ground staff, kitchen, legal stuff, contracts, those those kind of things. Um, Scott, you know, oversees analysis, recruitment, medical, all that kind of stuff, uh, academy things like that. Um, he has a say, he has an opinion, he has there's a committee style in terms of making decisions around contracts and recruitment and. But it all comes down to Jeff making the final say. So I hope that understands the structure or makes it explain, sorry, the structure a little bit better. Um, equally, part of my uh, comment piece was asking, I think Wolves need to probably communicate it a bit better and make it more more clear. But hopefully that will, will sum it up a bit more for people. Okay. Um, just saw this one when I was scrolling through. What's the best horror movie to describe what's happening at Wolves? <laughs> I, uh, I might need to take your lead on this one. Uh, classic horror, The Lost Boys, probably. Yeah. That's, 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 a, that's a decent one, yeah. Vampire film, eighties. Uh, um, the Devil's Rejects for some of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just. Um, uh, we've got to move on. We've got to move. I'm on. trying to because think of something with wolves in it, but the only yeah, thing I can just think of is American Werewolf for, in London. But that's one really... of your forte, mate. No, but that's good. Though. I like that. I like that. That was a scary film when I used to watch that. By the way, an American yeah. Werewolf in London. If you watch it 80s. now, it's not scary at all. No, but go, go. Don't go off the track. Don't go off that path. Oh my goodness, that underground scene with the werewolf down there, yeah. London Underground. Scary. Who in their right mind would walk down there anyway? Yeah, not not the smartest thing to do, is it? Not, not at all. Great. Not great, Bob. 
Okay. Um, Wolves against Brentford, Saturday, 3 p.m. We shall be there at the Sabutio Brentford community. <laughs> <laughs> as it is. Um, capacity of three and a half thousand. No, I'm only kidding. It's actually quite a cute ground, and look, they're doing better than us, so I can't take the piss, really. Um, what do you think, uh, team wise, Liam, looking at this game? I mean, you just got beat 4 0. You think wholesale changes, then we discussed it, I think, a couple of days ago, and you think, well, there's not really too many wholesale changes you can do. Um, I would say Semedo potentially for Johnny, and apart from that, is there anyone really knocking at the door? Just be Ricardo Troy knocking at the door, maybe for who? For Matinho, probably. Right. Um, otherwise, Hugo Bueno keeps his place for me. Okay. You could say possibly Huang um, for either Costa or, particularly if he's injured, or maybe Pedence. Um, but look, there's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of big decisions to make it. I don't think Geddes didn't even come off the bench against Leicester. And astonishing, come, really. I mean, because I, I didn't say astonishing is in like bad as in they should be coming on. Astonishing, really, is in that you spent twenty-seven million pound and after twelve games, you can't you can't even come off the bench when you're losing four nil. Is um, is um, just shows really that how how low it's it's all become. How how low it, you know his his stock has has um has depreciated. And I would probably give. Chem Campbell an opportunity or Huang on the left ahead of him at this point um, so yeah I don't see a, a lot of changes unless injury injury forces it um, you would yeah I think I agree with you that Semedo uh, whether he changes and brings eight Nori back in for Bueno but I don't think he can to be honest I think Bueno deserves to, to stay in goalkeeper and centre-backs pretty much pick themselves the midfield three for what I think he'll do pretty much picked itself there's an argument to go Bubakar um, which I probably would uh, instead of Matinho mm-hmm. and then if the front three are fit Pedence Costa Traore I probably would go with that and possibly bring Huang in uh, on the left and give him an opportunity but other than that Wolves have uh, are not haven't got a lot of options to be honest um, I think I think that's pretty much where, where we are with it yeah, just a quick one before we come into predictions. Um, look, lovely video kicking around with the Damatrari racing kids in, in Sainsbury's car park. I, I think it's fantastic. And, and look, that's the kind of tweet it out if you haven't seen it. There's, there's, a, there's an article on the Express and Star website. That's the kind of integration and the kind of relationship you want um, from your players. And yeah, you can be sarcastic and go, well, what have you done a hamstring or whatever? I mean, the kid was, he was literally just barely, barely jogging a dammer. But it was just a lovely moment. Um, you know, in, in the middle of, of such frustration and anger and, and, and vitriol, you know, Caused by a lot of bad decisions as well, not not just not just the fans, and you know they haven't brought it out from some, from from nowhere. You know it is, it is a frustrating time to be a Wolves fan at this moment in time, but that was just a lovely moment and uh, just a genuine genuine moment um, of class, really, and, and fair play for Adama for doing that as well. I think that's absolutely top draw and, and something that, by the way, some of the, some of the other players wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't even comprehend. So um, I think that was that was really really great on his behalf. Um, Wolves Brentford. <laughs> Prediction: The scores we both got them kind of right, although no one won the prize. Uh, I'm going to go first, Liam. I'll leave the floor to you to finish up. Got to be quick. I'm going to say Brentford one, Wolverhampton Wanderers one. I'm going to say they get a point. I'm going to say they get a point. Deary me, you Uh, have been. I'm out of whack. You hacked into my phone and reading my WhatsApp messages. Oh, here we go. I was I was going to go one one as well. So we're we're in it together this week. We're in it together. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll battle down the hatches and um, and hopefully we can get something on um, um, on a spectacular night for wolves. How's that? 
little cheeky Halloween point. Someone did uh, did actually tweet you saying, "Don't describe it as spectacular." Oh, there you go. There you go. So, <laughs> I'll I'll, uh, I'll I might even tweet some costumes um, on on Friday and Saturday. Oh no. <laughs> I've got no integrity, you know what I mean. I've got I've got no class, so um, be prepared to be to be wowed in a in a bad way on, on Friday night. If if I've had a couple of drinks beforehand, we'll see a couple of looseners. Uh, we might need a couple of looseners on Saturday afternoon as well, by the way, uh, depending <laughs> how things are going. But um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope that's answered plenty of your questions and you've enjoyed this. Um, remember, give us feedback, good, bad, whatever. We'll take it. And um, like I say, we'll see you all on Saturday at Brentford. From me, from Keno, have a great weekend. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>